Hey everyone, this is Merk Lasso and you are listening to episode number 44 of Just a Nobody podcast. In today's episode, um, I am thinking about um, our dear friend, uh, George Floyd. We have been talking about him. The whole world has been talking about George, um, uh, especially in the way he in the way he died uh, is not basically the way anyone should really uh, be taken um, should die should be you know no one should die in the way George Floyd died um and enough of this pity and the sympathy and all this talk about you know uh, all of us say that they don't really care about us there's a lot of you know kind of uh, pity sympathy that don't 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 treat someone like that you know he's human like all of us crap that's all bullshit because it's not about i i you know uh, why should we really care about how someone really uh ca- whether someone cares about us or not i don't really care all I'm saying is, how, how dare you? How dare you kill me like this? You know, how dare you kill me like this? That's my question. Uh, for the next 8 minutes and 46 seconds, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm kind of, this is going to be in memory of George Floyd because he kept saying, he kept saying, I can't breathe he kept saying, I can't breathe, lying down there with his face, one side of the face on the ground. Okay? One side of the face on the ground and pressed on his neck by a person's knee, which is so disgusting and so frustrating that I can't, I can't even imagine. So for the next 8 minutes and 46 seconds, I'm sitting right here. I have the microphone hooked to the speakers of the I Can't Breathe chants. Uh, and uh, uh, that's, 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 I'm going to be on the other side of this entire, after 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, so this is in memory of George Floyd.
Yes, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't really breathe. This was uh this was a few years back. I remember um it was uh, when Eric Garner uh he died saying the same thing. I can't breathe. And that time I blogged about it. I didn't have a podcast at that time. I blogged about it because it affected me so badly that uh you know someone could could just be uh in a choke hole and hold and die. Now right now 8 minutes and 46 seconds is really a long time. I've been sitting here all this I've not just recorded and kind of fixing it or kind of editing uh editing this entire segment of 8 minutes and 46 seconds. I've sat here to feel what 8 minutes and 46 seconds really feels like and it doesn't feel right to be under someone's knee. with the with the with the nerve that supplies blood to the to the brain and to be to be actually strangled to death you know it's really not easy and this is this is really sad uh that um such a, such a thing is happening because right now i really felt it 8 minutes and 46 seconds is not a joke it's a long long time and uh hopefully um what i feel is uh with the way protesters have really come out and you know are charged up i support all of them all of them are there it's not easy we are in the middle of a pandemic believe me the covid-19 infections is not over we have not got a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic if you have the guts to really go out there you know and uh, in support of george floyd and all people of color uh, especially african americans who have who've not got who've been always been treated so badly always been oppressed i think it's commendable to really I, i'm an, i'm completely supporting these protesters because it needs guts and how dare you how dare you kill them like that how dare you treat them like that uh so that's all that i want because i remember i remember uh uh last my last episode which i i recorded on a sunday which i usually do i'm late today this week um uh, because i was just upset with what's happening in the last episode george floyd when i was recording it on a sunday i believe sunday or monday george floyd didn't exist no one knew about george floyd i had mentioned about ahmed arbery now this guy who was a 25 year old jogger who was jogging in the neighborhood in his own community and he was uh he was he was misjudged to be someone you know um uh, someone kind of took him to be a, a break-in guy because there were many break-ins in the area and he got shot and killed 25 year old guy and then i remember uh it was just 7 days back where i was talking about ahmed arbery 
an African-American 25-year-old guy who was simply jogging. He got shot because he was misidentified. And then I played a few Dave Chappelle's um, comedy bits to just lighten because comedy has always, you know, lightened up very difficult moments for me. Always. It has always been like that. I either crack jokes, I watch or whatever it is, you know. Uh, it just lightens up things. Uh, and I played Dave Chappelle's of how he keeps saying, you know, that he doesn't, he doesn't blame anybody. He blames sketch artists. And I, I played those I played those bits uh, just to lighten up the moment. But in just seven days, in just seven days, you have the, the same incident just repeated again. So what are we talking about? Where's the seriousness? And on the ground, on the ground, on in, in the street, how do you how do you put someone's face and press it? on the ground like that that's what i don't understand like which normal individual like who would do that you know you have to be so cruel to do something like that and then just press his neck even after he's dead like for about two more minutes he had his knee on uh george's neck which is really painful to see really painful to see but i had to see the video to see what had really happened and that was really really sad i can't believe that in seven days the whole thing we're just repeating you know everything is just repeated once again so all i'm trying to say is you know uh it's like uh people of color if they are jogging they're walking they're bird watching they're just kind of standing somewhere you know uh, uh, the the kind of uh, people ident uh, think their risk in the society community in the community, which is really sad, you know. And uh, it cannot just be happening that in weeks time. I was talking about Ahmed Arbery in my previous episode, and in just seven days flat, we have George Floyd, you know. And no jokes here. I'm not going to play any comedy here because this is really getting very serious. And um, as I said, you know, enough of pity, sympathy, that's not going to solve the problems. You need, you need proper policies, you need laws, and how dare you? That's all that I'm saying. How dare you? Um, so it's like, you know, uh, black lives matter. People's, people, all this, uh, this arguments over this whole BLM uh, campaign, which is so incorrect, it is, it is a fact that uh, that the lives of people of color, especially African Americans, are not are not is not equal. It's not treat they're not treated equally, you know, in society. And that's what needs to change. And I believe this protests that are happening in the United States is an eye opener for people all over the world, you know, for nations all across the world. Because hey, man, none of those nations out there are uh, are innocent. In their own respect so stop blaming the united states or, you know kind of uh looking at what's happening in the united states oh we are better you're not better every nation has its own problem there, there are people you need to look inside every nation needs to look inside and see and evaluate how you treat your minorities based on religion caste system social status ethnicity you know this is a global problem and that's that needs to change that's what i've been saying forever don't just say and point a finger at the United States of what's happening right now, the rights and the curfew and uh, uh, the whole thing about the tear gas and the uh, the the bullets, etc. You know, or the shootings or whatever's happening. Don't look inside. Look at yourself. Each nation has this problem. Look at India, for instance. You know, uh, this, there's this new citizenship policy that has been passed by... Um, by the government in India, which discriminates against Muslims. For instance, if any, uh, if someone seeks citizenship of India, they can get it. But if, if, but based on religion, they get it. So if they're, if, if they're a Muslim, if the person is a Muslim and is seeking citizenship of India, you can just be denied because you're a Muslim. And that's what the new citizenship bill in India is doing. You know, religion is a criteria for granting someone a citizenship. 
which is very sad. And India, of course, we got independence uh, in 1947 and after independence, the caste system, which is basically, you know, the rich, uh, uh, the caste system, which divides people, populations into different segments like the Brahmins, you know, the, the, the priests or the scholars, the warriors or the businessmen, servants and laborers. And then there were there was a particular group of people called the Dalits or the Harijans. Now, now, of course, that's all gone on paper. There's nothing like the caste system that exists. But of course, this is still ingrained in culture, culturally and in socially in rural, especially in rural areas, basically. So um, so although these, you know, uh, these classes, the caste system or the social status system or division of people based on their social status, religion or uh, how much they make or um, the color of the skin or... Um, uh, the re religion, etc., is not in any books. It's not in any constitution, uh, but it still exists because uh, the nation had that in the past, and it's still there. It's ingrained somewhere in culture and society, and that's what's happening all across the world. Look at France. Now, France banned uh, had a ban on uh, women wearing, uh, you know, the face wheel. Uh, it was banned in 2011, where they couldn't cover their face. They couldn't wear, uh, if they wanted to swim, they couldn't wear full body uh, swimsuits because it was covering the body. That happened in France in 2011. Uh, that is again, that is again discrimination. You can't tell Muslims what to do. You know, if it is a secular country, uh, people can wear whatever they want. And now we have the coronavirus. Now everyone's walking. Now they said, okay, they said that uh, face coverings were prevented in France at that time in 2011 because because it prevented clear identification of a person, you know, because it uh, kind of presented security risk and facial recognition and expression became very difficult. That's what France said in 2011 when it banned uh, face wheels or face coverings. But now, hey, man, it's coronavirus. It's COVID-19. This shit is getting real, you know. And uh, so everyone's wearing a face mask now. What? Everyone's wearing a face mask. You can only see people's eyes now. Even in France, it's happening, you know. It's a strict regulation there that if you break it, you know, you're fined if you don't wear a face mask. Now, what about clear identification of... Uh, uh, identification or uh, about the security risk of facial recognition and expression that you know uh, that made that ban Muslims from wearing their uh, their uh, their face uh, their, their face coverings or their the burqas or you know the uh, uh, the veil the face uh, the face covering or the swimsuits that they wore at that time what happened to that that is gone now out of the out of the no one. Uh, so what about, you know, culture and security is treated differently, even in France. So all I'm trying to say is, hey, man, don't point a finger at uh, the United States. Look, every nation needs to look inside themselves and see, look at the policies and look, look at what they're doing with discrimination based on whatever. So what is the solution to, out of all this? You know, that's a question like everybody's asking. OK, so uh, uh, what do we need to do? And this is, I'm looking from a very global perspective. I'm not looking at one particular nation. All I'm saying is, how does this end, you know? How does discrimination end? How does racism end? Which is based on different factors. Uh, so it's basically education, you know? We need more protests. We need people coming out and telling, telling the, their government that what is right, what is correct, and what they feel that they discriminated against, like what's happening here. You need to open up, you know. Uh, so it's very important. Protests are important because change in government policy is based on that. Very important. Social programs. You need to get a younger government, you know, not those 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds who are, who are walking the cardos for decades and decades and decades, you know. How are they going to change anything? They carry a lot of baggage with them, you know. They shouldn't be in the government. You need a new generation, you know, generation shift required in power, which is so important. Uh, enough of this jaded culture, really. And uh, diversity, which is so important. You need people from different backgrounds, races, etc. 
in different departments and governments. You can't just have everybody looking the same in a in a, you know uh, making a decision for everybody else because we are not all the same. You know, we're all different. We come from different social status. We come from different religion. We come from different economic backgrounds. We come from uh, we we are different. So you need different kinds of people leading the nation in different departments. So I think these and, and uh, you know uh, they always say that uh, we need government. You know, people need the government as much as the government needs people. Like I always have been saying this. The government needs people because they need to get elected. I'm not only talking about the top position of government. It's governments at the state level, the city levels, county levels, the the federal levels, etc. All over the world, you know. They're dependent on people because uh, people vote for them. But at the same time, we also need government because they ultimately make the social programs they devise those policies they put those policies and social programs in place which is going to be beneficial to the people look at what the pandemic the pandemic is actually uh on the only silver lining in the pandemic that i see it is exposed it is exposed the division uh the inequality in society that's the only silver lining that I've seen in healthcare, poverty. You know, everything's exposed, uh, and the pandemic has really exposed all this. And people are frustrated, you know. So I would say there should be more protests. You need to tell you need to tell your government that you're not happy about something. But of course, peaceful protest is a way to go. That's what I feel. And of course, talking about uh, the virus, uh, I don't know why uh, the other day. Um, what was it? Um, Ebola was trending, like uh, it's like it was really it was really strange to see Ebola trending. I was like, why is Ebola trending? Don't tell me it is kind of it's coming back, you know. And uh, uh, like we already have the coronavirus and shit is getting real. We don't want shit to get any more realer than this, you know. And then uh and then i came to know that actually uh ebola has returned in the democratic uh, republic of the congo um that what that's what the world health organization had kind of uh, made an announcement i read their press release i believe there are six cases that have been identified and you know uh, I, I, like before before covid-19 i was like six cases hey man nothing's going to happen but that's how uh, covid-19 really spread to millions of cases today you know so nothing can be taken uh, lightly ever. So uh, that's what, uh, and actually Ebola is really back in the Congo. And four people have died out of the six and two are being treated. Uh, so uh, so it's really scary. And that's, uh, again, uh, animal bone disease, which is transferred, which can be transferred to humans and spreads from human to human via blood body fluids or tissues uh, of animals just scary that's really scary um and then uh, i was also uh, everyone's talking about the contact tracing app by google and apple uh, together i believe they've come up with this contact tracing app and whether we should download it etc so uh i'm like you know uh how would Seriously, if you ask me, I would never download that app because it's, um, you know, the, it's like uh, it collects data. It's uh, it, it uh, see the need for the app. Now, contact tracing, what does it do? Contact tracing is basically uh, telling, say, for instance, I, I'm infected. I have the COVID-19. And if I download the app and I enter my results that I am, uh, you know, what is it called? Positive. I'm uh, COVID-19 positive because I have been detected with the virus. Then it seems everyone who has been, who has ever contacted me for the past seven days or have come in close contact with me, they will be informed that someone uh, that you are at risk, you know, of uh, being infected. So please take all precautions. Go isolate yourself. They'll tell everybody else who have come in close contact with me for the past 14 days, you know. 
of course the objective is great the goal is great you know uh, informing everybody so that you can reduce the cases of infection and uh, and you know reduce the uh, the spread of the disease which is fantastic but hey man what about the data now they know uh, everything is uh, stored in some cloud somewhere of who i met the past 14 days that means everybody i ever meet is recorded in that the data is there whether i go to take a shit in some in some uh, isolated place or uh, in a mobile in a mobile uh, uh, toilet you know that's going to be recorded who i go on a date with that will be recorded everything will be tracked you know so uh, that is something like you know it's like data privacy versus public safety you have to choose between that because there's no way of course apple and google are saying we are not kind of tracking where you're going but hey man i don't trust you guys I don't trust you. So the app is good. It works on positional data uh, data and not location data. That's what it says. And um but but it's risky. You know, it's really risky. Imagine uh imagine just having someone track you all, you know, all the time. And I believe it works on Bluetooth technology and that's how it works. But the question is what data are you collecting, you know? Uh what out of the data is you ever going to use or who will have access to it you know it's sitting on the cloud but who who all are going to have access is it apple employees google employees everybody what are you going to use out of it and where is it going to be stored you know is it going to be in uh, outside uh, outside the country where you live in or uh, which server is it going to be uh, be in so, so many questions i'm not okay with you know um a public safety is good it's good that it's uh, it works but at the same time you know you can't tr- be tracking people so you know it's like this say for instance i and you meet okay we are on a date and uh, we both have uh, downloaded the uh, the app on our phones um but uh, i i go for i go for um i you know our bluetooths are on at the same time and uh, it seems uh bluetooth and a phone this, they exchange signals you know uh, which are called beacons b e a c o n s now these beacons are basically uh keys you know which um, they get uploaded to the cloud they get uploaded to cloud if you have the application the uh, contact tracing app which is downloaded on your phone so these are you know small signals that are recorded so the minute you come across another person who with the bluetooth on and with the app on it kind of transmits those signals and it's picked up so you know if i meet you i have covid-19 i enter i enter my results in the app uh the bluetooth signal um from my phone will detect that i met you and it will record this and put it on the cloud so it's saved you know then say for instance after 10 minutes i go on a date with someone else and that person's uh, bluetooth will again record that signal get uploaded on the cloud so date number 2 i go on date number 3 on the same day or maybe the next day um and then uh you know again those bluetooth signals from both our phones and all of us have the app downloaded okay uh signals are recorded and for the next 14 days i go on say for instance 20 dates okay i go on 20 dates i meet 20 people and all our bluetooth uh, signals you know our, all our bluetooths exchange a phone signal which is recorded on uh, which is recorded and kind of saved on the cloud uh, all 20 uh, all 20 of us in this actually have uh, the app downloaded so i enter my test results i tell uh, i tell the app that uh, i'm now covid 19 positive hey man let it never happen ever but say for instance i put it up there now the app what it does is it uh it downloads it downloads uh these signals this beacon beacon keys on all those 20 people's phones that i the phones that i met people's phones that i met you know i met 20 people so all their phones will download those big beacon keys of um and then also tell those people you know out of all those people that they met you know who is covid-19 and then they'll come across my key the beacon key and say uh, i you have met so and so person and that person is positive so it is time for you to isolate yourself because you are at risk of getting the covid-19 uh virus and that's what the 
the Apple and Google app is all about. Now, the question is, are you going to download it? Are you okay for all these keys to be collected for keeping track of, you know, who you met for the past 14 days or whatever, you know? Um, of course, Google and uh, Apple are saying they're not going to use the data. They're not tracking you. They're using positional strategy. But hey, man, I don't trust you. You know, I don't, I don't really trust you. Nope, I will not download the fucking app. I'm not going to do it. I don't know about you, but hey, I'm not going to ever fucking do it. No way. Uh, it seems like a great technology. You know, I would, uh, I would be happier if I'd kind of <laughs> uh, created the app. Like, you know, it's a big deal to create something so creative and innovative. But hey, man, I'm not going to be the one who's going to download it and allow someone to kind of track my whereabouts. Never going to happen. Not going to happen. Never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. Hmm. It's really sad what's happening this last week. But anyway, uh, all I want to say is that uh, not they don't really care about us because I fucking don't care what whether you care about me or whether you, you care about us or you don't care about us. That's all that I'm saying. All I'm, I don't care about that. What I'm trying to say is, how dare you? How you? How fucking dare you do that to us? You know? Enough of crying. Enough of getting emotional. Enough of, uh, enough of all that pity and sympathy, you know? How dare you? That's all that I'm asking. Okay, so another thing that happened, and I want to bring, I want to make a mention of this, that, um, about the SpaceX, uh, uh, SpaceX, the NASA uh, commercial crew program uh, that was launched. And I believe it is commendable with what happened. Uh, and uh, it's something to talk about because, uh, and uh, also uh, cheer uh, Elon Musk for doing such a brilliant job because it is a big task and it must be talked about. I know there are other things that we are really um good things that aren't happening but let's talk about something that really happened uh last week uh or it was over the weekend where the passenger uh, to space mission was launched on may 30th that's what that's when it happened two astronauts you know i watched it they got inside the space uh, the spacex uh, crew dragon capsule um and uh, they hooked up to that uh, the international space station and those two astronauts then got inside the uh, ISS, which was such a beautiful, uh, I loved what happened on that Saturday. Uh, so it is commendable, I believe, uh, kudos to SpaceX and Elon Musk for such a brilliant project. I believe, uh, you know, NASA has always been using, uh, uh, they have been, they've always launched into the the international space stations or gone to space or outside Earth using Russia's so use capsule now that is a capsule that where, where astronauts you know went in, inside and they drove that capsule out of earth and uh enter the international space station which is sitting up there now it seems that uh, for every seat for an astronaut on this russia soyuz capsule cost about 80 million per seat 18 million dollars per seat so NASA was very keen to kind of reduce this cost because it was very expensive, you know. It is, it's really expensive to pay $80, $80 million per seat to launch an astronaut out, outside the Earth into the inter- to work on this International Space Station. So NASA gave, uh, wanted to privatize the making of that space, uh, the space capsule, you know, the, the Crew Dragon. That's what uh, SpaceX called it, the Crew Dragon capsule, which is launched uh, we are rocket uh, into space and then um, you know it really uh, uh, hooks up to the international space station and allows astronauts really uh, you know do the work that they're supposed to do in the international space station so nasa gave uh, two companies one is spacex elon musk uh, company and um, it also gave boeing the task of developing these uh, capsules you know um so i believe uh, boeing is still doing their work they've not yet uh, developed one but spacex has uh, eventually after it, it seems it took them about six years to have this uh, crew dragon capsule ready now elon musk has always had this uh, cargo 
capsule, you know, which takes food to the International Space Station. She's been doing that work. But the say SpaceX never had a crew, you know, where you could send astronauts, live living astronauts up uh, into the International Space Station. It took him about six years. And I think Elon Musk really needs to be celebrated uh uh, you know, with what he has done, it's a big task. These are not these are not normal capsules like a car or you know even an airplane. It's bigger than that because it's going out of space. You know, out of um, out of the space, it has to be where there's no oxygen. So I think uh, uh, that's what he calls the crew dragon capsule. And finally, it kind of hooked up. I which I watched actually, which is so brilliant, man. Like you know, it was like. Hey man, this is this is this is like a dream. It feels like a dream, you know, with what really happened. The way it hooked up to the International Space Station and those two astronauts actually got in. And another thing that I also learned about this whole thing is that the Crew Dragon capsule uh, that SpaceX made uh, and which is currently hooked up to the International Space Station, it has a lifespan of about four months. So. Um, you know, it lasts for four months in that atmosphere, in that outer space atmosphere. And therefore, these, therefore, fucking therefore, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's for myself, okay. I don't know what this therefore has just really come out of my mouth. Okay, so, uh, so uh, these, uh, so, you know, this crew space uh, capsule, the crew dragon, a capsule that SpaceX developed it has a life it has a lifespan of four months like you know so these two astronauts who have gone sitting in that capsule need to return before four months others it is they'll have no vehicle to come back in so um, so uh, those two astronauts will come back before four months which is another interesting fact that I actually learned while you know kind of understanding what's this all about and then uh, so before two months when they're ready uh, they just kind of uh, um, sit back in the dragon which is currently hooked up um, they detach it from the uh, international space station and then four parachutes will uh, tower them down splashing into the atlantic ocean and then that's it you know the land on earth which is so brilliant so it that's that's a clear understanding that now uh, space uh, space commercial commercially going to the space is now commercial you know anybody can do it so if you have the money again you know inequality basically i would love to go out there you know i'm dying to go so if there are sponsors out there do it but hey man like you know again everyone you need everyone doesn't get the opportunity to go there you know you need to have the money to be able to go out in space but all i want to say is elon musk must be appreciated spacex people who work there must be appreciated because he's a risk taker. The guy's a risk taker. It's a big task, you know, to really go out there and develop these huge or risk, risky vehicles or equipments, you know. It's not easy. It's not, it's not developing, a, it's not making a car or a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi drink, you know. It's, uh, we're talking about going out of space. So, uh, and another thing I also want to point out is, uh, this uh, this rocket, you know, which uh, which Elon Musk's company, the SpaceX, also develops a rocket, uh, you know, which launches this capsule, this Crew Dragon capsule, which is so brilliant. And I also learned, you know, and I was so like, you know, uh, I was like, I was like a little child learning about it. Like, imagine this rockets now. It seems they're reusable so even if this crew dragon uh will not be able to use after four months it like goes it's just one time uh kind of launch and it's over but these rockets that launch these capsules they can be reused so um the dragon i believe uh they use the uh the falcon 9 rocket was used to launch the crew dragon capsule and there were 83 launches 44 landings and 31 reflown rockets um, that uh, SpaceX has developed until now, uh, which is which is something that is really brilliant that I really learned. You know, so all I want to say is Elon Musk is an immigrant. Okay, he was not born in the United States. He was born in South Africa, and uh, he founded SpaceX and Tesla Motors, two huge companies in the United States. But he's an immigrant. It's not that his father came here, his grandfather came here and brought him as a kid. He himself, uh, 
did it himself. He's an immigrant. He became he came to the United States um, in some in late 90s, 90s, uh, 1990s, in late 1990s. And he grew up basically in South Africa. So the guy is an immigrant, you know, uh, uh, you know, if he he wanted to come in today, it would be so difficult for him because everything has changed. You know, I'm talking about the immigration laws have changed completely. It's so difficult to be an immigrant today in the United States. But of course, uh, uh, he, he, it worked out for him, which is good. So another reason I wanted to talk about the SpaceX and that launch is Elon Musk being an immigrant, you know? So uh, he's made America what it is today by launching these huge companies for America. And that's what needs to be um, really looked at. So I was actually also uh, looking at SpaceX uh, what I don't like about the SpaceX thing is I love the launch. I love the Falcon 9. I love the crew, a Dragon Capsule. Brilliant, man. State of the art. And what it really does, man. Hey, man, just put me in and give me a free ride, man. Give me a free ride to space. I really love to go there. I really love to do that, man. Imagine, yeah, we all are on a blue planet which is fucking floating in space. Can you beat that? Can you fucking beat that? Like this is literally real life, okay? We are on planet Earth, which is literally up there floating in space, in the dark space. Can you fucking beat that? I can't. Yeah, so I was actually uh, looking at, uh, what is it called, the uh, the SpaceX uh, suits, you know, those two astronauts who were launched on the Crew Dragon capsule uh, using the Falcon 9 rocket. I hated their space, the SpaceX suits, like, literally, like, what were they like, you know? what They were looking, like, all leathery, which I don't, and they were so tight-fitting, like, for me, if you were to ask me, Savage, classy, bougie. <laughs> I don't know how to say that word. That is literally uh, that is literally the NASA suits, you know, which is basically uh, it's maybe because you know because I love uh, I love uh, uh, baggy. I, I really love baggy uh, outfits, even my regular wear. Like I I hate when something sticks to my body. Any type of clothing that really sticks to my skin, I really hate it. And maybe that's the reason that I hate SpaceX suits because they're really sticky to the body kind of feeling. Maybe they're good. They're really state of the art. They they won't allow you to burst in space, or you know they take care of all these mechanicals. But hey, man, I love NASA suits. They really look great and classy. Believe me. And I know uh, they say that it's really heavy. The NASA suits are heavy. And even the helmet is really heavy as compared to SpaceX suits and helmet. But hey, man, I'll wear the NASA. If someone's sponsoring my ride out of space, I'll wear NASA's um, space suit. And I'll wear NASA's helmet if I... If I ever get, because I always suffer from a, from a neck pain, so if I ever get a neck pain because of the helmet, because it's too heavy, I'll take a fucking painkiller. Pain I'll take a painkiller, but I'll still wear the NASA suit because I don't like the SpaceX suits. But I'll ride the uh, the Crew Dragon capsule, wear the Falcon 9 to go into the International Space Station. So, hey, man, who's sponsoring my, uh, my trip to outer space? Because that's what I want to do. Brilliant, man. Like, um... I watched the whole thing and I was, uh, I really admired uh, uh, the uh, Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk, the way he uh, created that whole thing and he's so fucking young. Um, and the best part about it is that I'll repeat it again. He's an immigrant. Elon Musk is an immigrant. He was, he born, grew up like almost 20, 21 years of his life was in South Africa. And then he moved, you know, to kind of start up these companies. So he basically is an immigrant uh, uh, and born outside, grew up outside, just being fortunate that the, when the time that he came here, immigration policies were more relaxed as compared to the time today, which is not really, ask me, ask me about it. It's really, really difficult. Everything is really made very difficult. Um, 
so that's what uh, it is about. And um, that's all that I wanted to talk about for today. Um, again, thinking about uh, uh, George Floyd, what happened to him, the way he, that he died should have never, ever happened. No one's face should ever be turned on the ground. Never. Should never really happen. Never should have died, died the way that he died. So I wanted to talk about uh, 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 this. What is it? Uh, Twitter fact-checking. Uh, not twi Twitter fact-checking and you know Facebook, social media fact-checking that is happening. Uh, I want to talk about it a little. Uh, you know, maybe I'll talk about it in my next episode. But all I want to tell these uh, social media platforms that anybody, if you really want to fact check something, if you want to really ban something, someone from doing something on social media, just ban, you know, people who just use one word, you know, in a social media post, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever a platform that you use. Because, hey, man. Who, what am I supposed to do with it? You know, what do you mean by, with, with, with one word? Like, uh, by just saying one word, you know, you, you fucking want to make me think about what you're trying to say. What should I make of it? I don't have the time. I don't have the fucking time. So if, uh, if social media platforms really want to kind of fact check something, maybe they should really ban and fact check, uh, one word posts. That's all that I'm saying. Uh, so that's all that I had uh, for this week um, uh, that I want. I know it's, 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 I'm already late by about two days uh, in getting the shot because I was a little thinking about what's happened. The, uh, the, uh, a lot of uh, things that are happening, you know, which happened over the weekend and it's still going on. Uh, but it's protests. Yes, it should happen. If you're not happy with something, you should go out and speak out. It should be... Uh, non-violent because that's how it should be but at the same time just protesting without any actions without change in policies is not enough things have to change and that's what uh i hope these protests really bring out and i'm very hopeful that maybe it will uh so that's all that i have for today uh, i'm gonna leave you don't forget if you want to write to me uh write to me at um just at gmail.com that's my email address you can also dm me on twitter uh, that's where you'll find me and um, uh, that's all I want to leave you uh, with this song uh, I love this song uh, which uh, which is called I am a young black man I'll leave it with the song and I'll be on the other side of it yeah just uh, just listen to it because I'm sure you'll enjoy it as well I'm a young black man doing all that I can Stay Oh, when I look around And I see what's being done To my kind Every day I'm being hunted and My people don't want no trouble We've got enough jungle I just wanna leave So that's uh, that's a beautiful song by um, I don't I don't remember this uh, guy's name, but it's a beautiful song. The song's called "I'm a Young Black Man." So that's the, all that I had for uh, this week, guys. Uh, you take very good care of yourself. Until next time, baby. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>